On this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, we preview the Academy Awards, which are coming up on Sunday, March the 27th. We talk about the elimination of categories from the live broadcast. Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, and Wanda Sykes hosting the show. The race for Best Actress, which could be any of the five nominees. And it's Power of the Dog versus Coda for Best Picture. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple or Spotify. And don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob M. Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob M. Ronnie. Call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Everybody and welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, it is that time of year. Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Yes, I love award season. Our guest today is a comedic writer, performer, and producer whose work has been featured on AOL and Spike and VH1, ESPN, People.com, and more. He is best known for the parody music video Hamill Trump, which has gained international acclaim. He is an experienced game show contestant, making appearances on Jeopardy and Cash Cab. But most important for our purposes here today, he is a legit Oscarologist. Max Godnick joins us. Max, thanks so much for doing this. Happy to be here. Oscar season, favorite time of the year. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, But first, I want to ask, you were on Cash Cab, right? I was. I was also on Jeopardy. So take your whatever game show you want to talk. So what makes you a good game show contestant? Well, obviously, it's my voice for radio. Um, <laughs> but you don't know this, listeners at home, but also a beautiful face for television and a uh, wild and random and completely useless uh, database of trivia knowledge. Uh, thankfully, Oscar movies are kind of my strength, but unfortunately, I had no Oscar questions when I was on Jeopardy or Cash Cab. So, next time. Oh, so with Jeopardy, I know other, I have other friends, I have friends who have uh, been on game shows and some game shows that you had to take a test to be a contestant. Did you have to take a test for Jeopardy? I did. Yeah. So there's a test that anyone can take online and you take it. And then if you get above whatever their benchmark is and they don't tell you what that is, but then you uh, get invited for a more thorough audition. I was like two weeks before COVID started. So I had an in-person audition got the magical phone call that I made it on. Then everything shut down for, you know, months and months and months. And Alex Trebek passed away and the show came back and they had all the hosting producing Michigas. And I thought that, you know, I had fallen through the cracks, but they finally came back calling. Um, and I was happy to take my spot at the podium. And how did you do? I came in third, a strong third. Yeah. I lost to Matt Amodio, who it was his 38th consecutive win. Wow. Or wow. I believe $1.8 million was my game that he, he reached that. Um, but then I was also his final win. So the next game after me, he lost. Um, but, you know, do you get anything for finishing third? You get a thousand bucks courtesy yep. of Aleve or Geico or wherever they are in their sponsorship. Uh, <laughs> right. Rotation. And uh, a ton of pride. I figure if you got to lose to someone, it might as well be like the LeBron James of Jeopardy. Yeah, exactly. Well, you stayed in the plus column because my fear would be I'll, I'd be minus and then you, you can't play Final Jeopardy, right? Indeed. So they shoot five shows a day and I was the fifth show of the day. And because it was COVID times, there was no studio audience. So we were every show's studio audience and we're watching this, you know, generational talent just mow everyone down like a buzzsaw at no point in the day were any of the games competitive and the game right before me, someone didn't make it to final. So I was very nervous. I saw kind of how, how uh, upsetting that would be, but no, I made it. I made it to the end. Cool. Nice. nice. Yeah. I don't think, I, I don't think I would pass that test. I don't think I would get in. I totally wouldn't. But it makes me interested. Is it an open book test? Can you just Google stuff? I think you have like 10 10 or 15 seconds to respond to each question on the online test. So like you can cheat, but you got to be quick. 
And then I think they kind of cull away the cheaters when you have the in-person audition. Yeah. It's so funny. We were just talking about Wordle because I'm now doing Wordle every day. Sure. And there is this spike in people searching for words because they're cheating on Wordle, I guess, for their stuff. So there was one, the word was aroma and Google tracked it. And aroma got so many searches on a particular day that people were honestly being they, they were being dishonest with themselves about whether or not they were smart enough to solve the puzzle, which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing. I guess if you're if you're an entrepreneur and you're going to start a startup right now, it's a great time to pick a name with a five-letter word. Yes, because it's very you'll popular. probably get some Google hits. Very popular. So, what's your Oscars? When I was a little kid, I used to watch the Oscars. I used to stay up late watch the Academy Awards. I can remember, you know, like early seventies. I remember the night Peter Finch won for Network. I mean, I was always an Oscars junkie. What's your history with the the show? Peter Finch. That was a posthumous Oscar. That was a very big one because he had passed away. Yes, it was. I love the Oscars. My mom uh, is a is a couples therapist, and she saw patients in my in our apartment growing up. So her waiting room was stocked with every People magazine, Us magazine, in style you could ever need, and that was my bathroom reading for my entire uh, upbringing. And that's sort of where I learned all of my pop culture uh, kind of encyclopedic knowledge I have. And then, yeah, the if you're into pop culture and you're into entertainment, then the Oscars are the best day of the year. And but for the last couple of years, it's felt like if you do care about the Oscars, you're the only person in the world who does because you see dozens and dozens of headlines about how it's the lowest rated show ever. And the Academy is scrambling to fix things so that people they'll stop hemorrhaging viewers. And then you have people like me who who want to watch a five hour Oscars. Yeah. want to see the award, all the categories. Um, you know, I say that the Oscars is my favorite time of the year, but my real favorite time of the year is like the three months before the Oscars, when I'm trying to see everything and check off my list and, you know, all the good movies are coming out. So I'm, you know, I'm the outlier here, I, I, especially for people of my generation of the millennial generation. I love traditional television, love live events, love watching them on TV. Uh, and I think I might be the only one. So what's your track record with your Oscar picks? It's good. I mean, the thing about the track record is you have to train yourself to basically not pick your favorites, to anticipate what the Academy is going to pick. And there are very Academy-y type of picks, right? And those types of picks change over the years, and especially in recent years, as the Academy has drastically expanded its numbers and added, you know, close to 8,000 new members, diversified, got younger, got more international. And that's amazing, but it changes the types of, of movies that we see winning. So you kind of have to, in, or, in order to be a good Oscar pundit, in order to kind of have a good track record, it is a 365-day-a-year job because you have to keep up with all the ebbs and flows of the Academy because I think a lot of people like to kind of get, conspir- get uh, a little bit conspiratorial and say like, oh, they're going to award it to this because they want to see this person get on the stage or they want this movie to win because it'll get more ratings. But the fact of the matter is you have like 10,000 people voting for these things. So you can't get that conspiratorial. And it only took until the, the Moonlight La La Land fiasco from a couple of years ago <laughs> to show that this stuff is not rigged. This, this is the real deal. Um, but, you know, if you know how to play the game, you could still you could still do OK with predictions. And I, uh, I pride myself on them. So how do you feel? So there's two schools of thought here. You mentioned, and I feel like you, like I'm the last person that cares about the Academy Awards. Uh, it's it's. As a TV show, it doesn't get the ratings that it used to. Uh, there's this idea of, is it a TV show or is it a night for the industry, right? Um, and I tend to lean towards it's a night for people in the business as opposed to it's a TV show where we care about ratings. What do you think? I think it's changed. And I think a big piece of that, of who is the Oscars for, who are the Oscars for, is what kind of movies are nominated and have the, the typical audiences seen those movies? Because if they haven't, like last year, for example, and now last year was was a wild year in, in the world for many, many reasons, and, and Hollywood in particular, and the movie schedule for sure did not look like like any movie schedule we've seen before or anything that will come after it. But you had these movies that that most 
general moviegoers or people who casually pay attention to the business or pop culture didn't know what they were talking about, hadn't seen these movies, didn't know where they could see these movies, had never heard of these movies. So in a year like that, yeah, it's for the industry because the only people who've seen the movies are the people who made the movies or the people who talk about the movies or cover this. You know, and 10, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of people saw a lot of movies and they saw different kinds of movies. They didn't just see Marvel movies. They didn't just see DC superhero movies. They saw adult dramas. Adult dramas used to bring in lots and lots and lots of viewers. So then when the Oscars rolled around, all those viewers who'd seen those movies had skin in the game. Yep. And it was a TV show. It was a sporting event. You got to see your favorite teams, your favorite actors, your favorite actresses go head to head, and you had an invested stake. You were a fan of these titles and of these personalities. You'd follow them maybe for your whole life, their whole career. These are long, long stories in the making. And then when you see someone win their Oscar, it's a huge deal, but it's less of a huge deal when fewer people are actually watching the movies. So I think right now the Oscars have never been more of an industry event. I think they desperately want to be a TV show that brings in the best non-Super Bowl rating of the year, which they used to do. Um, but that's going to be really tough to do if they continue nominating movies that are a little art houseier, yep. uh, are <laughs> on more streamers, are kind of come and go. Things come out these days, they hit Netflix, then they disappear. You, unless you sort of know to look for them, you're going to miss them. Um, and the way we used to watch movies and talk about movies and kind of follow the horse race of award season was a lot different because we followed it more like sports because we were fans of these movies, like fans of teams. Now you got to do a little bit more work to have that, that invested stake. And now, um, like the list for best picture is, ex it just keeps on expanding. Like there's 10, there's 10 movies. It's, it's, it's like the cast of SNL. I mean, it just <laughs> gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I, I don't, I don't like that. There's so many movies nominated. No, see, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with 10 movies, but, but then the other categories, there's five, you know what I mean? Yes. So it just doesn't, it just, it, the balance the, of it. The symmetry it. bothers you. Yeah. So the decision to, to, to expand Best Picture to 10 movies was specifically because the Oscars were very aware that they were not nominating the, the zeitgeist kind of movies of the moment anymore yep. that were bringing in a billion dollars. So they thought, okay, if we, if we have 10 slots, then sure, you have room for, for your Black Panther and you have room for your Spider-Man movie and you have room for your Star Wars movie. I'm really just listing franchise titles. Right, here. but I mean, in the end, the, 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 the thing is, this year they nominated Drive My Car, the Japanese language film uh as opposed hours. as opposed to super uh, as a, as opposed to spider-man yeah. which is the whole purpose of expanding to 10 so i think what the academy would say there is yes we did and while spider-man's not there dune is um and west side story is and even don't look up which you know was a netflix movie was a mass appeal movie yeah yeah, everyone was talking about that movie over the holidays. Those movies, no, they're not quite Spider-Man sized, but they do have that kind of more popcorn appeal. The problem is Dune had it come out, you know, five years ago, probably would have made five times as much money. Yep. While it has all the trappings of a blockbuster that has mass appeal, it came out at a time where not that many people were going to the movies. So I think they're trying. I think in certain ways, the expanded field is working, but in other ways, it kind of is getting cluttered up with just more of these smaller movies that make people feel even more alienated from, from the, the fun. So what is a uh, foreign language film? Why is it in this category and not in best foreign language? Film? It's in both. It's in both. Yeah. So what, so how does it get to be in both? So <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? I just, I just don't think it's fair. <laughs> Yeah, so each category because you know because there you know sometimes you have an actor that may be a supporting actor but his role is a little bit bigger than uh, yes. a supporting actor category but he's fraud. not he's not big enough maybe to be um, best actor but he's too big sometimes to be best supporting actor so uh, yes. I think it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's interesting. So each category at the Oscars is sort of selected in a different way, right? So you have each, you have the actors branch, they vote for the acting categories, the directors branch, they vote for the directing categories. Then everyone comes together and votes for the picture categories. The, the foreign films, the international films, that's, that's its own branch. If things do well enough and are eligible in multiple categories, then great for them. I mean, we saw two years ago, Parasite won. Yeah, best, best picture, sure. 
best picture, best director. I believe they won best screenplay as well. Um, it happens. And I think we're starting to see it happen more and more. And I think a big reason we're seeing these international films get more love and more mainstream love is because the Academy has just expanded its voting ranks so more, so yes, much. Yes. Become a more global body. So eight of the 23 awards will be pre-taped and then shown during the ceremony this year. Um, and that includes actually some significant ones, original score, production design, uh, some, some really big ones. This, I guess, is a way to make the show shorter, to give it more television appeal. Uh, nobody really cares about who wins documentary short or live action short or animated short. And so they've edited those uh, essentially uh, for moments during the show. Does that make sense to you? Do you think it makes it more television friendly? This is sort of the, the controversy of the moment. And there's always a controversy leading into Oscar week. And, and this is definitely the one this year. Uh, you've heard from a lot of people in the industry, including Steven Spielberg, who, who kind of slammed this decision by the Academy to, to not quite sideline these eight categories, but it's really for the people who win those Oscars, right? If you win best score, say, and score is a big category. Look, yeah, it is. Hans Zimmer this year. Hans Zimmer is a major guy. I mean, you don't have to follow the movie industry that closely to know who Hans Zimmer is. Hey, Hans Johnny Zimmer, Greenwood, who I think is probably the favorite to win in the category. I mean, significant people. Absolutely. And Hans Zimmer might win his first Oscar this year. That's and right. That's the kind of Oscar moment that, that we remember. Like you talked about Peter Finch, right? So that's what 30 years from now, you want someone to be able to look back at that memory and have it as this cherished Oscar memory. That's not going to feel the same for Hans Zimmer or Johnny Greenwood if they win that Oscar, because it looks like they're going to do it sort of before the show as the nominees and presenters are still filtering in and having their red carpet moment. It, they're saying it's not going to feel different to the audience at home, but it's going to it's going to shave some time off. I'm wondering if it's not going to feel different then how much time is it actually shaving off? Yeah, because true. Exactly. The person give give their speech. That's still 90 seconds of someone giving their speech. So it goes back to that question of who are the Oscars for, right? Steve, you said, is it a TV show or is it for the industry? Yeah. Yeah. TV show, then yeah, you gotta, you gotta play the game and you gotta say, okay, if we're losing viewers and ABC has a lot of money invested in this, then we want people to watch our show so that the advertisers continue to pay for, for commercials and we can right. keep doing this. But I don't know whether those eight categories are what's been keeping the Oscars from their 80s and 90s mass appeal moment. I think if you love the Oscars, you want to see best score. Yeah. You want to see best, you know, live action. Hey, short. I really love that guy, that live action short guy or that animated short guy. I'm like, that guy worked his entire life to get to this particular moment in his career and in his life. And he should get his moment. It's not necessarily. I mean, I, I haven't seen all the shorts. But I, I know that for that person, for that winner, it's significant. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that person winning an Oscar and Leonardo DiCaprio winning an Oscar, sure, it's a big deal for Leo. But if you have lived the life that Leonardo DiCaprio has yeah. lived, and I'm just picking him as, as any A-list celebrity, maybe it doesn't mean as much to win an Oscar. If you are, you know, a movie star, then if you are kind of a, a hardworking, toiling artisan who finally gets invited to their seat at the table for this one night a year that they have the spotlight on them, they're going to give you your moments. Sure, movie stars are actors, so they know how to put it on and they know how to be emotional on stage and have the moment. But it's you can't beat just kind of your amateur, you know, less known artisan craftsman expert at their trade being recognized at the top of the industry it's a special moment and i think that's why people watch the oscars uh yeah. not for whatever they're gonna fill in that extra time with yeah i mean it was like getting the tonight show with johnny and going on when burt reynolds was the guest host you know exactly. what i mean it's yeah. just so and and to me it's like major league baseball you know all they do is they want to cut you know, they want to cut time away from baseball thinking, oh, if they do that, you know, more people will watch baseball. And it's like, the, you know, people who love baseball are going to always watch baseball. It doesn't matter. You don't have to automatically walk somebody to right, shave but off Sue, some the, time. The question to me is, do you want baseball? Now we're on a baseball conversation. Do you want baseball to have the broadest appeal possible? You and I will always watch baseball. 
we'll be there. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go to games. I'll watch games. But do I want there to be a bigger tent? Do I want more people to enjoy? Do I want more people to enjoy the Academy Awards and more people to watch? I guess that's another way to sort of look at this is maybe it does broaden the appeal. But, and but Tim, maybe, but, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Max. I was just going to say, not only are you, are you make, are you broadening the appeal, you're potentially broadening the appeal that you're bringing in more kids and more first time watchers of the Oscars so that they are then developing a connection with the show, developing those memories to remembering that they're watching it with their parents or they're watching it, you know, the floor of their childhood bedroom. If we no longer have those types of people watching the Oscars, then 20 years from now, 30 years from now, if we're even completely irrelevant, yeah. then, then who's going to be, who's going to care about this stuff at that point, really, who are the Oscars for? Because if you now lose a generation who's grown up with this stuff and who at least has the memory of, oh, that's when the Oscars were a big deal. If you lose that as a reference point, then it's just an award show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so Amy, Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes as hosts. What do you think? I'm very glad that that we're bringing back hosts. I think yeah, having a host, having a having having something that you can remember. Oh, the 2018 Oscars, that was that one. That yep. was the Jimmy Kimmel one. Oh, this time that was when Ellen did the selfie with Bradley Cooper, and that was a moment. I think having a host gives you kind of more moments to remember the Oscars by. It makes it feel like a bigger deal. I think, you know, they they tried this the last couple of years, not having a host, kind of having the presenters lead the way, structuring the show in different ways. But again, it's like, why are you trying to make the Oscars not look like the Oscars? Yeah, anymore? why are you trying mm-hmm. to reinvent this wheel? I mean, we've always had, from Johnny Carson, I mean, prior to Johnny Carson, um, you know, I yeah, still Bob remember- Hope, when Bob Hope, Hope used to yeah, host Yeah, Bob it. Hope. I mean, we've had great mm-hmm. Oscar hosts over the years. I think one of the reasons is the Oscar host, whoever it happens to be, winds up getting savaged in, uh, in, in the popular media. You know, oh, that loose. was terrible. He was an awful host. I think they actually have a hard time finding people who are willing to step out and do it. Yeah, it's a it's a hard job to recruit for and has become even harder in the age of of Twitter and, you know, everyone dunking on on the big moment that's happening in entertainment, whatever kind of whoever the main character of Twitter each day is. Well, that's probably going to be the Oscars host. Everyone loves to complain about the Oscars. Everyone loves to play Monday morning quarterback with the Oscars. The host is the first person you blame. And also they. I think they only started recruiting for a host this time around, like two or three months ago. And if they're going for these real A plus listers, you know, you hear The Rock thrown out, you hear Tom Holland, yeah, and Zendaya. Yeah. These people book up, and unless you're kind of producing these things years out, a year out, a year and a half out, it's going to be hard to get those kind of th- that kind of talent, regardless of any misgivings they might have about how they are received as host. And by the way, they also don't get paid. Um, I think Amy Schumer, I think Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes, they're all really funny. They're all incredibly talented. They don't scream zeitgeist 2022 to me. The Oscars (laughs) want to have this not be their lowest rated show ever, um, which last year was, and this year may well be. Um, They don't seem to move the dial to me, despite being very, very funny women and and incredibly successful. Um, And, you know, sometimes it's not always about the host. Sometimes the person presenting best, costumes has an amazing bit like we've yeah. seen Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell kind of steal the show in mm-hmm. years past which by the way that's another thing we lose if we're going to shave eight categories off and do them during the commercial all those break. different presenting opportunities right, right. Sure. I think I kind of, so I think they're they're planning on breaking the Oscars this year into kind of three acts and each of these women is going to have have an act um, and kind of host a third of the show, which again, just seems like more diluting the product. Right. But you know what it is? It's also diluting the ultimate blame. Right. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> now yeah. now no one person has to hold all the blame for because it, it winds up being nobody watched the year Jimmy Kimmel hosted. Nobody watched the year. I mean. That person gets a disproportionate part of the blame. And at least in this case, the blame will be divided between the three and nobody will take the hit altogether. Absolutely. And, and you, you know, imagine if you're Jimmy Kimmel 
And you now become associated with the the fall of the Oscars, which is really the fall of live TV ratings, yep. which is because of so many more things than Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, streaming, cord cutting, uh, COVID, the movie industry changing, movie theaters changing. I mean, it's about so much more than who the host is. These things are really a microcosm of where media and entertainment are right now. So if you're Jimmy Kimmel, of course, you don't want to be saddled with that burden. I guess if you're only saddled with a third of it, maybe it makes the gig a little bit easier. So I wish uh, these ladies the best of luck. I'm excited. Um, they're super funny. I, I've heard some uh, reports of people going to comedy clubs in New York and were, who have seen Amy Schumer testing out her her material, her monologue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Apparently she killed. Apparently it's super funny. And that's not surprising at all. No. Um, the fact of the matter is these hosts are going to live or die by by how viral their their jokes go on Twitter. Yep. Um, even though these ratings will be low, more people are going to be commenting on the, the jokes of the Oscar hosts than probably ever before. They're just not tuning in live on their Nielsen box in a way that's going to get ABC the rating they want. But, you know, if Amy Schumer does a, a tight three minutes that kind of takes down Hollywood in the last year of Hollywood, sure, you're going to see that blow up on Twitter. And I think yeah. the upside is still there. It just looks a little bit different. You said something that I think is a very important point, you know, the the cord cutting people. And that is a large majority of younger people that do not have regular television. You know what I mean? So right out of the gate, the Oscars uh, viewing is at a disadvantage because there's a huge population that just doesn't doesn't get it on their TV. And if they've cut the cord, then you got to think that they're probably not super likely to be going to AMC on the weekends and buying the ticket and getting the concession. If they're a movie fan, they're probably streaming their movies. They're probably streaming TV as well. And that line between what is TV, what is a movie, what is a limited series has blurred so, so much that, I mean, what is the difference between Mayor of Easttown winning Best Limited Series at the Emmys and CODA winning Best Picture at the Oscars? If you are now seeing them both from your couch at yes. home, yes. it's no longer about going to the movies, associating it with, you know, who did I go with? Where did we have dinner afterwards? What size popcorn did I get? It's all sort of flattened so that all the media that we're consuming is all the same, which sort of makes the award shows and the amount of them less that special. Had, yeah. Less special because they're, they're just awarding stuff we watch on our screens. Yeah. All right, let's do some categories. Let's, let's do it. Let's have some fun. So I've narrowed it down. Uh, I've eliminated, uh, in honor of the Oscars, I've eliminated many categories from the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I'm always fascinated. I love the screenplay uh, categories. So best adapted screenplay, uh, Power of the Dog, The Lost Daughter, Coda, Drive My Car, Dune. What do you like in that category, Max? It's an interesting category because the screenplay categories are sort of where the Academy has has more fun, goes with a little bit of a more kooky, creative, uh, maybe less seen pick than in the picture categories. Um, and the screenplays here are, are really, really great. I mean, Dune was widely seen as an unadaptable novel. Yeah, and for sure. Tried and failed many, many times. And then, you know, Denis Villeneuve, he... He got it. He figured it out. Uh, the Lost Daughter, that's Maggie Gyllenhaal. You know, that'd be really cool to see kind of a Hollywood star go up, get up on that podium, accept an Oscar um, kind of in a, in a medium that's different than the one we, we normally know her from. Coda's people are loving, really, really popular now. And of course, Power of the Dog is the most nominated movie um, at the show. So I think it's between the Power of the Dog here and... I'll say drive my car, which I didn't touch on, which is sort of, we touched on earlier. It's sort of the, the festival darling, the three hour Japanese movie about uh, uncle Vanya. Um, But I think that despite a couple upset potentials in the picture category, in the director category, I think this one's going to be pretty safe for the power of the dog. Uh, Jane Campion could be leaving the Oscars with, with, you know, two handfuls of trophies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this one, I think she has the best shot at. So what do you think? I want Coda so bad because I love the movie so much, but I agree with you. I think power of the dog is going to take a few, a few home. Um, yeah, that's, I, I think power of the dog. Is I agree go. with you on Dune. David Lynch obviously took a crack at it. Many people have drive. My car is not, and I saw it. It's not a movie that I love. Um, and I think it will win. I, 
I'm a big fan of spreading the awards around as much as possible. Uh, so Drive My Car is going to win Best International Film. Uh, Coda, I think, has bigger categories. I, I actually think Maggie Gyllenhaal is going to win here for The Lost Daughter. And think for exactly the reason you said, that it's uh, it's an it's a chance to honor somebody that uh, that has been a great actor, really talented actor for a long time, has stepped out onto a limb to adapt a really, really difficult novel. And I do think Jane Campion uh, has a win coming up, but I don't think it's going to be in this category. I'll go Maggie Gyllenhaal for The Lost Daughter here. And by the way, Lost Daughter just won uh, Best Feature at the Independent Spirit Awards. Oh, um, there you so it's go. Got a little bit of momentum. Yeah. And, and I, the interesting, the interesting thing too about Lost Daughter is that the the woman who wrote the book, she's anonymous. So it's so bizarre to me. The, the whole thing about that is so bizarre to me. You know, she she's like the masked writer. I you know. know, it's like nobody knows what she looks like. So it would be kind of cool for her to, you know just by association with being the, the writer of the book that, that the movie is based on yeah. um, Maggie Gyllenhaal winning. Yeah. All right. Best original screenplay, licorice pizza. Of course, the great Paul Thomas Anderson, Belfast, Kenneth Branagh, don't look up Adam McKay, uh, King Richard and worst person in the world. Max, how are you feeling about this category? Worst person in the world is the surprise here because that's a, a really, really fun Norwegian movie uh, that, that, kind of just started hitting wide release in the last couple of months here. Um, so that was sort of the, the fifth one to sneak in there. I think original screenplay really is going to come down to uh, Licorice Pizza. Paul Thomas Anderson has never won an Oscar and is yep. sort of one of the defining filmmakers of his generation. So I don't think he's got a shot in picture or director, um, but this would be the, a good chance to give him an Oscar. Keep in mind, Licorice Pizza does have a little bit of controversy. There's been a little bit of backlash about some of the content in that movie. So if it's going to get hurt by that backlash, then maybe you don't see him up there. I think Kenneth Branagh um, and Belfast would be his biggest competition there. Belfast had its brief moment in the sun at the start of the season as sort of the front runner for all these categories. It's faded back a little bit as Power of the Dog and Coda have come on. Um, so if, if Kenneth Brown is going to miss out in picture and director, this would be a great chance to give him his trophy. I think it's going down to Paul Thomas Anderson or Kenneth Branagh, and I will go with PTA. This is his moment. Um, I think you nailed it completely. It's either Paul Thomas Anderson or Kenneth Branagh. I am going to go Kenneth Branagh because I think this will be the one chance to recognize that movie on Oscar night. Sue, what do you think? I agree with you. And I finally saw it after. Yeah, picking, I, I picked it for everything, you know, a while back and I'd never seen the movie, but I said it's my favorite movie this year. Sue actually put there was Belfast. so much hype about it. She put Belfast on her list of favorite movies, even she never saw Belfast. So she based on reputation, it was there. But I finally saw it and I was I was actually a little disappointed with it. It wasn't it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. But I think this is going to be um, I, I think Kenneth Branagh is going to win it because I don't think he's going to win the other award. Uh, let's get best director out just because I think it's uh, a slam dunk here. Uh, the the hands down uh, favorite is certainly Jane Campion for uh, Power of the Dog. Um, uh, Risuki Hamaguchi, I believe, for Drive My Car, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Paul Thomas Anderson, Licorice Pizza, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. I think this is Jane Campion's slam dunk. I couldn't agree with you more. What's wild, the stat that you've heard kind of thrown about the past couple of weeks, is that Jane Campion is the first woman to be nominated for Best Director twice. Um, mm. In the 94, 94, 95, 94 year history of the Academy Awards, uh, not that many women have been nominated for Best Director, and it's only happened twice once. Um, mm. So obviously the Oscars have had its fair share of, of representation issues in years past. I think Jane Campion would be incredibly deserving regardless of yep. this win. Um, it's a beloved movie. Actually, it's gotten kind of people talk about it, even though it's kind of a little bit inaccessible and, and can leave you cold. It still seems to have pierced the mainstream. It's in the conversation. Um, and I think she's might get upset in the best picture category. So I agree that this is her, this is her chance to really have her moment. And even though she's been nominated for twice, she didn't win the first time for the piano. Um, so this would be a great chance for kind of Hollywood to, to give Jane her flowers as the, as the kids say. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything that you say. I mean, I, I, the movie was, 
it's weird. A lot of people are like, oh, God, you know, I didn't understand it. And what was the point and all of that? I actually liked it the more I thought about it. But the it was a beautifully it was beautifully shot. It was such a gorgeous movie. And I thought the performances, especially for like the young kid and um, all the supporting roles, I, the, the acting was just stellar. The thing about the director category that that puzzles me and is kind of a theme for this Oscar season is that if the Oscars are looking for a beloved movie that has mass appeal, that is in theaters, that people know and people talk about, that has a great young cast, that has a filmmaker that's a pretty big name. They have it. It's West Side Story. Steven Spielberg is there. This movie was beloved by critics literally has one best picture before um, is maybe the most acclaimed story in American cultural history and is from the biggest director in, in the medium. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't picked up the traction. And I think maybe now that it's on HBO max and is streaming and more people are getting a chance to see it, maybe there's a light push for West side story, but years from now, I will be scratching my head over why West side story might go home completely empty handed. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the front runner and supporting actress. We can get to that. But uh, I think it's going to look a little weird a few years out. Uh, best supporting actor, and I believe it's Ciaran Hines. Do you do you know Ciaran Hines? Kieran Hines. Kieran Hines from Belfast. Troy Kotzer from Coda. Uh, Cody Smith McPhee for Power of the Dog. Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog, and J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos. Uh, for me, and it's not just because he did the show, which was a really cool thing. Troy Kotzer came onto the uh, podcast and was fantastic. But I am. Uh, completely supporting Troy Kotzer here. I would vote for him, and I think he will win for Coda. I agree with you. I think Coda has got to have the highest approval rating of any movie that I've ever recommended to friends. I have not met one yep. person who has seen this movie that did not love it and was reduced to a, a pathetic mess of tears as a result <laughs> of it and as a result of Troy Kotzer's performance specifically. Um, and I think when you saw him win at the SAG Awards, the feeling in the room... Hollywood seemed really, really happy about this feeling of giving this working actor who, who kind of had, this is his first major role in this beautiful, intimate story. That was a moment that I think Hollywood is going to look to recreate at a bigger scale on Oscar Sunday. And it's going to come at the expense of Cody Smith McPhee, who was sort of seen as the early front runner. One of the faces of the power of the dog kind of carries a lot of the, um, dramatic heft of that movie shall we say mm -hmm. especially in the end of that movie he's probably what you're left with thinking about yeah but i think the love for troy Kotzer is a little bit too much and i agree he's going to take it home yeah me me as well i cannot i cannot imagine him not winning this award yeah i really can't so so you mentioned west side story and i i am not a huge west side story fan or was not a huge west side story fan the original film or the stage show i absolutely love spielberg's uh, adaptation of West Side Story. And I especially love Tony C Kushner, who I don't think is nominated He's for not. adapted screenplay, but no. the way he wrote the Rita Moreno character in is so well done. Um, I love Ariana DeBose uh, in this category. She's the standout from West Side Story, Kirsten Dunst, Power of the Dog, Anjana Ellis, King Richard, Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter, Judy Dench, for Belfast, who has a very small role. Uh, and that's not the first time Judy Dench has done that. She's been nominated with very small roles in the past. Um, how do you see that category, Max? So Ariana DeBose is definitely the favorite here. She played Anita the last time Anita was played on the big screen by Rita Moreno. She won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. So there's some really nice symmetry here. Rita Moreno was definitely got a lot of buzz. People thought she might be nominated for yeah. her role uh, in the remake. She was not. So I think that avoids a... Uh, a split in the votes because she's not going to be up against her castmate. She is the only representative of the movie um, in the acting category. So I think Ariana DeBose should win this one in a walk. My one caveat would be, as we've been kind of alluding to, if Power of the Dog maybe doesn't win the big award, yeah. maybe doesn't kind of, we don't end the show with Jane Campion on stage then maybe this is where Kirsten Dunst wins because mm -hmm. Kirsten Dunst is another person like Maggie Gyllenhaal who we've almost grown up watching and we've watched her grow up and we've seen her transition from bring it on this kind of teenager cheerleading movie to now working for some of the most acclaimed auteurs in the industry. She picks great movies. She has 
you know, a lot of goodwill in Hollywood. Uh, she's nominated alongside her actual husband. Um, so I think that would also be a great storyline for, for the Academy. So I'll give it to Ariana DeBose, but definitely watch Kirsten Dunst here. Cause I think Hollywood is anxious to give her an award. Yeah. I, I think Ariana DeBose is going to win just because that's what everybody's saying, but I, I would really like to see Kirsten Dunst win because she was, I think hands down the best in this category. I mean, the role that she played and what the emotions that she went through. I mean, the difficulty of that character as well. I, I, I thought she was the best. Um, best actor, I think it's more of a coronation than a competition. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom, who, in my opinion, in any other year would have won. Uh, Denzel Washington, Tragedy of Macbeth, Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, and Will Smith, King Richard. I just think... This is one of those, this is like Sandra Bullock in the blind side. This is like lifetime, achieve, first of all, very deserved. I thought he was great in King Richard, but there's a, an element of lifetime achievement here that also plays into this likable guy, lovable guy, has made a lot of money for a lot of studios, uh, has sold an awful lot of tickets. I think this is his moment. All hail the king. And we know he gives a great speech. Yes. Uh, we saw him at the SAGs recently kind of bring the house down with the speech. And typically the way the precursor awards work is you kind of see people practice their speeches. And if they have a great speech, then that makes it more likely that we're going to get to see that speech on Oscar night because the Golden Globes didn't really happen this year. The SAGs were later than they usually are. Uh, award season, even though it's the longest it's ever been, is kind of starting later than it ever has. But because Will Smith did make that tear-jerking speech at the SAG Awards. I think that sealed the deal. We get to see him even jerk more tears on Oscar night and uh, really be coronated as, as the king he is. Yes, this is going to be the ultimate. This is your year. <laughs> you know what mm -hmm. I mean? He is definitely going to get this award. All right. Uh, best actress is the wild card category of the night. Um, I could probably make a case for all five of these actresses, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Olivia Coleman, the lost daughter, Kristen Stewart for Spencer, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, and Jessica Chastain for Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, Faye. Uh, Jessica Chastain obviously has the momentum because she won the SAG Award, and the actor's branch is the largest branch in the Academy. Kristen Stewart can definitely pull the upset here. Um, I can see Nicole Kidman winning. I, Penelope Cruz, there's, there's some buzz out there. If I have to pick the winner, I'm going to go Jessica Chastain because of, as you mentioned, the precursor awards. Winning the SAG award is a huge precursor. Um, but I, I, nothing would surprise me here. I'm going to give this one to Lady Gaga. Oh, wait, she was not. Yeah, nominated. she was. <laughs> didn't make, didn't uh, make the cut. That was shocking. That was shocking. And I can't believe Kristen Stewart got that spot over Lady Gaga. I know. And Kristen Stewart, after being kind of the first front runner at the kickoff of the season, kind of got fell down, lost everything she had, missed out on all the precursors. And then at the end of the day, she nabbed the fifth spot. You're totally right. This could go to any of the five here. This is the fun category. This is the reason not to change the channel, why you should tune in for the four hour telecast or whatever it's going to be. It could be any of them. Jessica Chastain is definitely the, the safest pick after she took on the SAG Award. Um, she's also been campaigning hard all season. You, she doesn't miss a talk show. She doesn't miss an Instagram post. She's out here pressing flesh to, to get the Academy on her side and win this award. So I'll give it to her just on kind of how, how passionately she's been out there and getting seen, because that's also a very big part of this, the politics, the kind of barnstorming you have to do. Um, but I would not be surprised if Nicole Kidman, Kristen Stewart, or Olivia Coleman took home the award. Penelope Cruz, maybe a little bit. She's, you know, she's won an Oscar before. Nicole Kidman's yeah. won an Oscar before. Olivia Coleman's won an Oscar before. People seem to really like giving Olivia Coleman awards for TV shows or movies, whatever they are. Um, but I think she's won a little too recently. And yeah. I think this is Jessica Chastain's time. I agree as well. I saw the movie not that long ago and and I didn't really talk to a lot of people about it. I had a couple of friends who were like, oh, yeah, it was really good. You should see it. And based on the idea that someone like this is in a category with a lot of women who have taken this home, her performance was just flawless. 
And it's classic Oscars, right? It's a transformation. There's a lot of mm-hmm. makeup. She looks different than she usually does. She's, She's playing a real person. Voice. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe it, maybe it's not as wide open as we think, but definitely room to be surprised. All right. Best picture, 10 nominees. I can make a case for three movies, I think. Belfast Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Uh, Power of the Dog, I am not a huge Power of the Dog fan. Um, As you mentioned earlier, leaves a lot of people cold. It left me cold. Um, So I'm not, and I think it gets its recognition from Jane Campion. I can make an outside shot kind of case for West Side Story. I don't think it's impossible that West Side Story wins because it's a great big movie. And as you mentioned, uh, it's on HBO Max now. People are actually getting a chance to see it. But I think Coda carries the momentum out of the SAG Awards. And I think you mentioned earlier what, what I found, which is everybody I recommend Coda to absolutely loves it. It is a feel-good movie. It's not like one of the 10 depressing, most 10 depressing movies of the world. Uh, I I love Coda in this spot to win Best Picture. I agree with you. Um, And I think that's, you know, even though it's kind of becoming maybe conventional wisdom, it's still pretty wild because if Coda wins, it would be the first streaming movie to win Best Picture. Yeah. That means it cut, that means that Apple cut the line Cut in front of Netflix, line, yeah. Cut, cut Netflix in line, cut Hulu in line. Netflix has been dying to win this award for probably the last four or five years now. And here comes Apple. They make the biggest Sundance acquisition ever, $25 million. They buy this charming family tear-jerking movie. And they bought it a while ago. I mean, it came out probably more than a year ago at this point. I believe it came out in January of 2021. And at first, it was sort of one of these movies on the new streaming service that's not Netflix and not Hulu. And what is Apple TV Plus? And how do I get it? But as more people have subscribed to the service, probably to watch Ted Lasso, they come across (laughs) Coda, they love it. And then you get to see this amazing cast be brought up on stage at the SAG Awards in this really feel-good, heartwarming moment. And if the Oscars go back to what they usually do and do Best Picture as the last category of the show, remember last year they ended on Best Actor. Yeah, which is ridiculous. So weird. Oh, yeah. And and it all went wrong, too. Awful. I I think the Oscars will avoid that. I think they will go back to Best Picture being the, the capstone of the evening. And I think if Power of the Dog wins, it's like, all right, Power of the Dog wins. It just won five other Oscars. Here's Jane Campion again. Maybe it left you cold. What's it about? Is there a dog even in it? Whereas Coda. <laughs> yeah, where's the dog? This, yeah, you're going to see this amazing cast that is, you know, very diversely able. Um, Maybe and, Marley Matlin giving the acceptance speech. Absolutely. Um, and I think if the Academy is going to be back in the business of creating moments, then Coda is the way to do it. I agree with you that West Side Story has a prayer because it hit HBO Max at the right time and because people know what it is. Outside of that, I agree with you. I think it's those three movies. I think Belfast peaked too early. I think Don't Look Up is too divisive. I think Drive My Car is too long and a little bit alienating in its subject material. Yep. June is a blockbuster movie that the Oscars are hesitant to award. Um, King Richard... Didn't get that theatrical release. Didn't really seem to pierce the moment as well as it could have. Licorice Pizza has the controversy in the backlash we touched on already. Nightmare Alley is lucky to get in there. I think it was probably the 10th slot, although yep. it's on HBO Max now. And it's probably developing some momentum. And then Power of the Dogs, your front runner. And it's a weird front runner because it's a front runner that, that not a lot of people know about. Um, so I think this is Coda's chance. And you're going you're gonna to maybe see some... some a bump in the approval rating of the Oscars by the time it goes off the air. Cause it's going to have a pretty nice grace note. Yeah. I I'm going with Coda all the way because to me, it is just genuinely a, a just a, in, in every aspect of it, it is just, it's a great story. It's beautifully acted. Um, it's, it feels good. The music um, is so good. Yes. I mean, everything about it is so great. I mean, there's no, there's no tricks up its sleeve. You know, I don't care about the cinematography. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just a great, great film. And, and it's so deserving to win Best Picture. And you're right. You mentioned Grace Note. It, it is a, it's a business of moments. And the moment with that cast on stage 
Mm. is a really, really powerful moment that people will remember. Um, and even uh, the parasite moment was a great moment. Yep. This moment, I think, will be a really, really powerful moment that people, people are going to talk about after the show. Yes, the power of the death. <laughs> nice. I like it. And look, you just saw the Batman where that's going to be a nominee next year, but it just brought in a ton of money at the box office. The COVID numbers are falling. You have this moment where maybe people are ready to go back to theater. Yeah. Again. And, and the end of the Oscars, Coda up there on stage could be that kick in the pants, even though it's a streaming movie that gets people back in theaters and reminds people, dare I say, of the magic of the movies. Yeah. And these other nominees, I just don't think have that potential. Hey, Max, this has been uh, awesome. I did not realize when we brought you on that you were this deep into it. I really, really appreciate that because I'm a guy that reads Gold Derby and Awards Daily and all those websites all the time, keeping track of, of the trends amongst the Academy. Um, I, you know, I think we generally kind of agreed, right? Didn't we all agree yeah. on everything? On a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it seems like actress is sort of the one where there could be a little wiggle room. I think as confident as we are about Coda, it is still an underdog. Yep. Power of the overdog is still the favorite there. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this was awesome. I, I live and breathe this stuff. I've been following this stuff since middle school, if not before then. So I'm never sure really why I follow this until I have moments like these and get to talk with uh, fellow Oscar nerds like you. Cool. Hey, listen, Max, thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Enjoy the show. You know, I like that guy because he agrees with me about just about everything, Sue. That is, that's a guest for you. He was good. And, and he's very sharp. I like his insight into, you know, why things, you know, why certain awards would be that way or, yep. you know, and, and just everything that's going on with, you know, with the three hosts. I mean, I, I, I think he, um, yeah, I like his take. You know, I'm rooting against one movie. Oh, power of the dog. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, uh, Jane Campion's going to win best director. And I think that's, that's deserved. I mean, she's got a long career has made lots of great movies. The piano is maximum, but I, it's not a movie that connects with me. Like if mm -hmm. West side story won, I'd be thrilled. If Coda wins, I will be absolutely uh, moved by. Cause I can see that cast now on stage at the Academy Awards in that moment. And it is, he used the term grace note. It would be a grace note for the show and a really, really memorable moment. It's like the little movie that could. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, like I get a chill just thinking about what it would look like, but there's something about when a movie, um, when someone wins best director and then the move like that movie doesn't win best picture and then vice versa when yeah. a movie wins best picture and then it doesn't win best director. And then there's always that joke of, Oh, what did it like direct itself? Direct itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes those pairings, like you don't know, will it win an, an award independently without winning the other? See Who what knows? I like is to spread the awards around. Like I'd like to have Maggie Gyllenhaal win for mm -hmm. adapted screen. I'd like to have Kenneth Branagh win for original screenplay. Jane Campion, then Coda. You you sort of move the awards around so that multiple pictures get recognized. So I'm okay with that best picture, best director uh, split. All right, Sue, we'll enjoy the show. I'm excited about it. Me too. Coming up on Sunday, great seeing you. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, shows, uh, your podcasts. And uh, you can also get it at stevemason.com. Uh, and don't forget to leave us a rating and a review. We will see you next time on the Culture Pop podcast. <laughs>